everybody. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. If you want to know more about us or connect with us as a church, then please go to our church website and we'd love to get to know you some more. But here's today's message. We hope it blesses you, encourages you and inspires you. Well, I don't know about you, but I think it would be probably safe to say that we all love a good story. No matter what the story is, we look forward to a happy ever after ending. Today's Valentine's Day and maybe you're going to watch a rom-com later to celebrate. And as you watch that rom-com, you'd love to see the prince and the princess come together as a happy ever after couple at the end of it. Or maybe action is more your thing. And so as you watch your action movie, you love to see the hero survive and win at the end of the day. Or you like the underdog, the story of the underdog who emerges victorious no matter what the circumstances looked like that he was facing. But in reality, happy ever after endings are rare. There are certainly plenty of good endings, things that we can celebrate, but there, but there are rarely, uh, but, but there are rarely uh, happy ever after where everyone sails into the sunset happy at what has panned out in the end. For example, the prince might win the affection of the princess, but what about the other admirer of the princess who goes home without the girl? Or the hero might save the day, but what, at what cost has he saved the day to himself and to the family uh, and those around him? The underdogs might emerge as victorious, but what about the disappointment of those people that the underdogs have unexpectedly defeated? There's often an undercurrent even in the happiest of stories. And today's passage could have been one of these happy ever after endings. Nehemiah, the returning hero, comes and saves the city as the wall is finally completed. Finally, Jerusalem is able to rise out as, as one of the greatest underdogs and is able to retake its position as the city of God's people once more. This was a moment of triumph. All the hard work had proven worthwhile. God's people had emerged out of the rubble and they were able to live happily ever after. Or were they? The truth is that that is only half of the story, half of the passage that we've read today. God had done great things. But this was not a happy ever after moment. It was a good moment, a moment to be celebrated. God had broken through, but the story was still not finished. There was still more to be done. And so often we can long and pray that as God breaks through, that all our problems might be overcome and that we can get on with living that happy ever after life away from all the pressures and the problems that life throws at us. But do you know what? That's often how God, that's not how God often works. And so this morning, we're going to take a moment to think about this happy ever after life. 
What does it look like to live for God, to, to play our part in God's story of renewal and restoration and revival? As, and how do we reach the climax of that story with our God? There is hope. We can live happily ever after. But the way that we're going to experience that happy ever after is through partnering with our God. That's how the people of Jerusalem saw the breakthrough. In verses 15 to 16, we hear the happy part of this passage. Having left his job, having surveyed the task and having endured all the opposition that the local leaders and the surrounding area could throw at them, the city of Jerusalem had been restored, its walls had been rebuilt. In just 52 days, a city that was left in ruins had secured its future again. This was a phenomenal feat. In just over seven weeks, a wall had been built around the entire city of Jerusalem. Imagine starting to build a wall around the city of Cambridge on Christmas Day last year. Tomorrow marks 52 days since we celebrated Christmas together. Imagine building a wall around our city starting on Christmas Day and finishing tomorrow. Now I know the scale of Cambridge was probably a lot different to Jerusalem back when Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall but they didn't have diggers and cranes to do all the heavy lifting for them so uh, I'm going to stick with the analogy albeit not completely accurate. But I think I'd struggle to build a wall around my house in 52 days yet alone a whole city. As they started out on this endeavour to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem, people thought they were crazy for even trying to do it. They were mocked, they were ridiculed, they said it was foolish, they said even a fox could knock down those walls. And yet 52 days later, the walls were not only making good progress, but they were completed. The wall being completed was a wonderful achievement, but there can be no doubting as to why and how this wall had succeeded. The wall had not been rebuilt successfully because of Nehemiah's excellent leadership and strategic planning. This wall had not even been rebuilt because the people had come together and worked really, really hard and their, their hard work and their determination had made it possible. Even the people who were outside the city of Jerusalem could see what was going on here, that there was a greater force that had enabled these walls to rise up out of the rubble again. It was clear that Jerusalem could not have achieved this on their own. It was because of God and because of him alone that this extraordinary task had been completed. Nehemiah and the people rebuilding their walls had partnered with God and God had enabled them to see the project through to completion. 
when we partner with God, when we catch his vision and share the desires of his heart, just as Nehemiah has throughout this, this book, as we've been studying it, as we follow in God's footsteps, then God does incredible things. And as God partners with his people, not only do the mirac do miraculous things happen, but people see the power and the wonder and the might and the awesomeness of the God that we serve as he reveals himself through what he is doing amongst us. As we partner with God, not only does he transform our lives, and lift us out of the rubble, but his reputation is built, his glory is seen, not just by those who are involved in what's going on within it, but by all around it, because as people look on, they say there's something significant happening here. This isn't just a human thing that's happening, this is a divine moment happening. With God, the impossible, can quickly become possible. As, a, as we partner with, the, with him in the rubble that surrounds us, we, we can quickly experience the transformation that he can bring to that rubble. Because transformation is at the heart of God's character. As we look at him, we join in with the Apostle Paul in seeing that with him nothing is impossible for he is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever dream or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. Let's take a moment though just to remember what God has already done for us and the extraordinary ways he's already blessed us through his power at work in our world. Through Jesus he came into our world just not to walk amongst us and to tell us some nice thoughts to, that, that people will live by for 2,000 years but he, Jesus ultimately came to go to the cross and to be crucified. As he hung on that cross, people mocked him and ridiculed him, just like they did Nehemiah and, and the people of Jerusalem. They taunted him and they said to Jesus, if you're the son of God, then why don't you come down off that cross? Yet Jesus remained on the cross and he died, not because he deserved it, but because that was how he could show his love for me and for you and that was what was part of God's plan to restore us as his people and so three days later and the more the people who mocked and taunted thought that was the end of Jesus's story and yet three days later after they'd all gone home Jesus rises again defeating the power of sin and death and evil forevermore he provide, as he did so, he provided a pathway that we might once again be able to be reunited with God. He enabled us to partner with our God that we might see his glory through Jesus. God can 
and already has done wonderful and miraculous and incredible things that we couldn't even dream of imagine. And he invites us as the people, as his people, as people he loved to partner with him and to be a part of his great story of restoration, of revival and of rebuilding. But the question for all of us today is, will we partner with him? Will we lay down our plans and instead pick up the plans of our God? Are we willing to be seen as foolish? Are we willing to take on the impossible, trusting that as we do so, God will make it possible? Are we willing to be ridiculed and mocked by those around us that we might see God ultimately break through? God wants to partner with us. It's only as we partner with God that we have and that we can truly have hope of ever living happily ever after because true life comes from God. The question is, are we willing to accept the offer that Jesus offers to us, that we might receive the abundant, wonderful, incredible, miraculous life that he has to offer to us all? Not everyone however, wants to partner with God. And this passage asks the question, why? Why wouldn't you want to partner with the God who makes the impossible possible? And the answer is quite simple. To partner with God, we first of all need to check our allegiances. This should have been a moment of celebration and unity for Jerusalem. The task they'd all set out on had been completed and yet in verses 17 to 19, not everyone was glad at what God had made possible. God was moving through his people, but not everyone was as committed to God as Nehemiah and the people who helped build the wall. They weren't as glad with the plans of God as Nehemiah and the people who had been building the wall. Up until now, the city had remained united in the face of a whole raft of opposition coming from outside the city. But now divisions start to emerge and people, as people decide within the city to give their allegiance, not just to God, but to the people who'd just been opposing what God had been doing instead. So why did they have this change of heart? Why did these people suddenly give their allegiance to Tobiah? Tobiah had gone into business with a lot of Jerusalem's nobility. And as part of their trading relationship, He'd said that they needed to take an oath, not just to the city of Jerusalem, not to God, but to him as this foreign, as their foreign leader and business associate. In other words, these people taking an oath to Tobiah had no long, had, had put their business interests ahead of God's interests. No longer was their allegiance to God 
who built this wall in 52 days, but their allegiance was to the man who was filling their pockets with cash instead. And here's a reminder that we see throughout the Bible that you can't serve both God and money. We all have the opportunity to partner with the God of, the, of miracles. But if we partner with him, he expects our loyalty. So we need to check our allegiances. Are we partnered with people who may well be profitable, who might enhance our standard of living, but who are ultimately holding us back from embracing the things that God wants for us to partner with him in? Not only were people partnered with Tobiah financially, but they were also partnered with him through family loyalty. Over Israel's, uh, over the years, Israel's nobility ha had married into external families and nations. And as a result, these external, these families and, and nations had gained a foothold of influence within the nobility of Jerusalem. But these people had no time for Israel's God. Instead, they had their own agenda and they sought to influence their desires rather than God's desires. If we are to partner with God, not only do we need to check our financial allegiances, but we also need to check our relational allegiances. You can tell a lot about someone by the company that they keep. Do we take guidance and counsel and support from people who have an allegiance to someone other than our God? Could there be relationships that we have that are holding us back from partnering with God in the way that he longs for us to do? God longs to partner with us. He longs to do incredible things through our lives. But God also wants our loyalty. If we are to partner with him, we cannot partner with those who want to stifle and frustrate his plans. So we need to check our allegiances. We need to choose a cause. And, we choose, and as we choose a cause, we need to devote ourselves to it. If we're to reach the conclusion of God's story in our lives, if we're to experience the happy ever after of God's story, then we need to ask ourselves this question. Where are our hearts and our allegiances? Will we acknowledge and turn away from the things that are getting in the way of our allegiance to God and the plans that he is calling us to be a part of? Are there people in our lives who might be preventing us from partnering with God? To get to the happy ever after of God's plans, we need to check our allegiances because if we have the wrong allegiances they're just going to distract us and deter us and defer us from God's ultimate plans for our lives.
and as well as checking our allegiances, if we are to experience the happy ever after of partnering with God, then we need to protect what God is doing amongst us. Nehemiah partnered with what God was doing, but he also protected what God was doing. Nehemiah protected the city from those forces that would have loved to, to destroy and derail and disrupt what God was doing. Look at how, how Nehemiah does this. Firstly, he looks for people of integrity. Nehemiah only wanted to empower people he knew that he could trust. People that had shown that they had the character and the faith to play a part in what God was doing. Ultimately, true integrity comes from fearing God. And so Nehemiah looked for people who feared God. This isn't a fear of God's wrath, but rather of someone who has encountered the awesome reverence and miraculous nature of God and is fearfully loyal and dedicated to him above any other. So Nehemiah, as he protects the city that God has restored, appointed people with integrity and who feared God to serve the city. As a church, we're in the process of appointing leaders to uh, to part, help us as a church to continue to partner with God and protect what God is doing amongst us as a church family. As we look at this passage, it makes me ask the question, are we looking for leaders with integrity and who fear God above anything else? Or are there maybe other traits that we can sometimes get distracted by that we think uh, that can often look more appealing to us. But more than just in our church setting, this is an important lesson for the wider context of our lives as well. Who are we letting have authority and influence in our lives? If we are to, to partner with God and protect what God is doing amongst us, we need to protect ourselves. And protecting ourselves starts by surrounding ourselves with people of integrity and people who fear God above any other. Just because the wall had been completed, the job that Nehemiah had started hadn't finished. Nehemiah saw what God had established, he'd seen what he'd made possible. But, the but, but to see the story through to the end, he still had to take a further stand and protect what God had started from those who would have loved to stifle and undermine it. A happy ever story is no certainty in life. There are those who will always love to belittle and destroy what God is doing amongst his people. So like Nehemiah, we need to be wise. We need to protect what he started that we might see God's story through to its ultimate conclusion. As we emerge from the rubble with God, we can be confident that as we partner with God, 
there will be a happy ever after ending. We see it in Jesus. Jesus has given us all hope that the future is full of hope because of his love and his sacrifice for us. However, to get there, we need to check our allegiances and we need to protect what God has started to do amongst us, that the story that, that, that God has, has brought into being might reach its full conclusion. So may we continue to fix our eyes on the wonderful opportunity that we have as God's people to partner with the God of transformation, that we might see his continued restoration amongst us and live happily ever after with him. Let's pray together. Lord God, as we think about this passage together now, we want to take a moment to celebrate and thank you for the things that you are already doing, for the things you have already done. And Lord, we praise you and we thank you and we give you all the glory for what you have done amongst us and in our lives. Lord, we take a moment to acknowledge the continued opposition that we can often face in life. And Lord, we pray that we will continue to stand firm in and through all that we are facing. Lord, may we continue to fix our eyes on you alone. Lord, pre prevent us from being tempted by aligning our allegiances from other people uh, that might distract us from our ultimate allegiance to you. Lord, give us protection, surround us with people with integrity and who fear you, that we might know that we can stand firm in all that life throws at us. But Lord, each day we pray that we will continue to know of the hope that we have in you, that we might be able to look forward with you, and that we might be continue to live our lives in the power of your love, partnered with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.